Hello, everyone. Welcome to Catholicism Rocks. My name is William Hemsworth, partner and director over at Catholicism Rocks. Do me a favor. Go over and check out our website at catholicismrocks.com. Check out the forums. Uh, check out the Ask a Priest section if there's a question you want to ask a priest about anything. Put that question in there. Father Ashley will get back with you. But today, my friends, I want to talk about... Let's go back to the basics for a minute. Let's talk about the four marks of the Catholic Church. This falls into the realm of what we call ecclesiology. And ecclesiology is the branch of theology that deals with the study of the church. So what is the church? What are its functions? These are some things we're going to talk about today. Now, these questions lead to a great discussion, but at the root of ecclesiology is, is the Greek word ecclesia. And that's the word, that word translates into English as church. The church proclaims the gospel of Christ and spreads the message of Christ across the world to all people. The task of the church is to be a beacon of hope and teach all who enter through her doors the ways of salvation. The church finds its foundation from Christ in Matthew 16, 18, when our Lord says, quote, And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, end quote. St. Paul calls the church the bulwark and pillar of truth in 1 Timothy 3.15. Now, the church is categorized by its four marks of being one, holy, Catholic, and apostolic. And we say these four marks all the time at Holy Mass when we recite the creed. But what do those mean? That's what I want to discuss with you all today. This show will be fairly short. But I think if we reflect on these four marks of the church, we'll understand the mission of the church just a little more, and also our mission as well. The first mark of the church is that it is one. One is more than a number. It conveys unity. This unity comes from her source, which is the eternal Godhead itself. Now we see this in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, which says, quote, The highest exemplar and source of this mystery is the unity in the trinity of persons of one God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, this doesn't mean that disagreements don't exist. I mean, really, there are some disagreements happening right now. So it doesn't mean that disagreements don't exist. But it means that doctrinally, we're on a united front. Within the church, there are many gifts and chrisms that people have. Unity is a beautiful thing. One person may be good at administration. Another may be good at teaching. And even another may speak in tongues, because that is a spiritual gift as well. There is no shortage of spiritual gifts out there. So, in this way, the church has a very important lesson for society. Every gift that a person possesses is useful in the building up of the church. This is another way that the church is one. The individuals of the church come together to build each other up and proclaim the faith that was proclaimed by the apostles. The Vatican II document titled Lumen Gentium states this in paragraph 4. He leads the church in all truth, and he makes it one fellowship in ministry, instructing and directing it through a diversity of gifts, both hierarchical and charismatic, and he adorns it with his fruits. The second mark of the church is that the church is holy. The church is holy based on Jesus Christ, who is its founder. 
Now we see this in the salutation of St. Paul to the Corinthians where he writes in 1 Corinthians, he writes, quote, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. The church is sanctified or it's made holy by its call and mission. It's made up of sinners like you and I. But by the grace of God, we carry out the great commission of teaching, baptizing, making disciples, spreading the gospel throughout the earth. The church is the bride of Christ. Now, and just as a husband and wife are one flesh, so is the church holy because of the bridegroom, which is Jesus Christ. The Catechism of the Catholic Church says this in paragraph 824. United with Christ, the church is sanctified by him, through him, and with him, she becomes sanctifying. Now, the church acknowledges that the people within are not perfect. Lord knows we are not perfect. We're far from it. We are all in need of God's saving grace. Now, like a loving mother, the church holds those souls closely and provides them the means of which to be saved. The church, through its liturgy, its sacraments, provides the means of grace which Christ instituted fully and perfectly. The third mark is that the church is Catholic. But it's so much more than the name of the Roman Catholic Church. After all, there are 21 rites in the Catholic Church. But the word Catholic first came to use by St. Ignatius of Antioch in the 2nd century. When he was writing to the epistle to the Smyrnians, he wrote this, Wherever the bishop shall appear, there let the multitude of the people also be, even as wherever Jesus Christ is, there is the Catholic Church. So, in using this word, St. Ignatius tells his readers that the church is universal. It's a church not just for Jews or Gentiles, but it's for everyone, all people. It's for the rich, the poor, the slave, the free, because we are all children of God. The church teaches the message of Christ to everyone. The church is also Catholic because the full deposit of faith, which consists of sacred scripture and sacred tradition, were entrusted to her. Through these deposits, she can fulfill the final command that Christ laid out in Matthew 28, 19-20. Now, some, one of the questions I get a lot is, how does this relate to other ecclesial communities or, or Protestant churches? Well, the church is also Catholic, uh, because of its structure of bishop, bishops, priests, and deacons. And of course, the Pope, the Bishop of Rome, has, has authority. Now, this is a hurdle for our Protestant friends. However, this does not mean that they are not Christians. They are what the church calls in imperfect communion. And we need to pray for that unity, that we all may be reunited under the one church that Christ established. The church is apostolic. It's apostolic because the apostles were given the authority from Christ to establish it. And we see this in paragraph 857 of the Catechism, which says, The church was built on the foundation of the apostles with the help of the Holy Spirit. The church keeps in hands on the teaching. She continues to be taught, sanctified, and guided by Christ through their successors. The teaching office of the church consists of bishops in union with the Pope. This group of men have the honor or, or burden, depending on how you look at it, of carrying on the teaching of the apostles. 
And this is what we call the teaching office of the magisterium. Now, contrary to what some may think, scripture is not self-interpret is not self-interpreting. And interpretation can change based on one's presupposition. After all, we see this in the many different denominations that are out there, all claiming to be led by the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is not doesn't have multiple personalities. Okay. The church is apostolic because the teaching office of the church, the magisterium, is given the divine task to interpret scripture. Now, does that mean that a Catholic cannot read scripture on its own, on the on their own and come to conclusions? No, not at all. But when it comes to certain passages, um, those that are unanimously interpreted by the church fathers as going one way, like John chapter 3, for example, of baptism, the church has defined that John 3 is talking about baptism when it talks about being born again, because Jesus said you're born of water and the spirit. And the church fathers unanimously said that was in regard to baptism. So the church is given the task to interpret scripture. The church also encourages us to read scripture. That's why we are given different readings every day at mass. And the church also encourages us to read it on our own. Because it is our book. We will grow in holiness. We will grow in our faith by reading scripture. And if we're not doing so um, we're doing ourselves injustice. But let's get back to the mark of the church that the church is apostolic. The uh, apostolicity of the church, we could see in Acts chapter 1, verses 24 through 25. This is what that passage says. And they prayed and said, Lord, you know the hearts of all men. Show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And so we see the apostles replacing Judas, and that succession continues today. History shows that the apostles appointed men who would take over their ministry. So from the four marks, we see the church's mission, structure, and its establishment in scripture and tradition. In addition to the four marks, there um there are Marian and Petrine charisms. So in the Petrine charism, for example, we see the church linked with the apostles. And so Pope Francis, whether you disagree with him or not, is St. Peter's successor. And thus the church today has the historical link to the apostles. Each bishop can trace their, their ecclesial lineage to one of the 12 apostles. And history shows that there was an early understanding of papal primacy. And in future shows, I'll get into that just a little deeper. The Marian chrism is no doubt a very significant area of disagreement um, with our Protestant friends. As Mary is the mother of Christ, the church is a mother to the faithful. This is what the catechism says in regard to this. The faithful still strive to conquer sin and increase in holiness. And so they turn their eyes to Mary. In her, the church is already all holy. Now, there are many sources in, in Scripture that allude to this influence. For example, John 19, 26-27 says, When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. So our Lord gave his mother to John. 
And in the same way, he gives us Mary to be our spiritual mother. And so by teaching and administering the sacraments of the the sacraments, the church acts in its in its motherly role for her children. So in ecclesiology, we study the church and its doctrines. So the four marks of the church make up the theological foundation that differentiate it from other religions. So in John chapter 17, for example, Jesus prayed for unity. Unfortunately, my friends, in Christianity, that is hardly the case. We have the promise of Christ that the powers of evil will not overcome what he has established. And so we should take great joy and courage that we participate with the church in its mission to the world. The Catholic Church can trace its lineage and doctrine to the very foundations of Christianity. Therefore, the church is not only the body of believers as Protestants believe, it is also a visible entity in which the faithful can go for comfort and guidance. Well, my friends, like I said, today's show is going to be short, and we're right at 13 minutes right now. And so this is just a brief overview of what the four marks of the church are. So I highly encourage you um, to study this topic more because there, there's we'll learn a lot from it. Like I said, this was just a brief overview. And let's, when, when we go, when we say the creed this week at mass, when we say the part that the church is one, is one holy Catholic and apostolic, let's not take that for granted. Those are the foundations of the church. Okay. Those are our, that's our mission is to be one, to be holy. We're founded by Christ and it's passed on through the apostles. We're Catholic because the church is worldwide. It's not just in our neighborhood. It's worldwide. All right, guys. God bless you. That's this for this week's show at Catholicism Rocks. Check out our website again, catholicismrocks.com. And again, I'm partner director William Hemsworth. Check us out. Leave us some feedback. Subscribe to the show. And please check out our forums. Um, we're trying to get those. We're trying to get that to be a place for cat like-minded Catholics to just ask questions and network, get to know each other as well as to grow in their faith. So God bless you. Have a great day. Pack your bags and join the fun. We are going to Soul Town. February 4th through March 27th, Club Soul members can take a drive through Soul Town to collect game pieces to the weekly drawings for free play and other exciting prizes. Just fill in your Soul Town game board and you can win $250,000 at the grand finale on March 23rd. Cruise on down to Soul Town. Only at Casino del Sol, the soul of Tucson, an enterprise of the Pasquayaki tribe. Fargo, the new virtual assistant from Wells Fargo, makes banking faster and easier. Like this. Fargo, what's my checking account routing number? And this. Fargo, uh, turn off my debit card. And this. Fargo, what did I spend on groceries last month? And that's just the beginning. Do you, Fargo? You can in the Wells Fargo mobile app. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash getfargo. Terms and conditions apply. Your mobile carrier's availability and message and data rates may apply. Wells Fargo Bank and a member of DIC.